Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Speaker Step Series. Let's have our joke now. Thank you, Jay. I am Dana, and I am your alcoholic comedian for the evening. Hello, friends. If you tell a person that there are 270,678,934,341 stars in the universe, he'll believe you. But if you tell an alcoholic to stay away from that first drink, he has to make a personal investigation. <laughs> I am a recovered alcoholic. My name is Jay. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation, so please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise that might or will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you to stay focused on the step study tonight. So if everybody's ready, let's start our meditation. Yeah. 
now going to do the fog light prayer. For those of you who don't know it, it's on the screens. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. And I have asked Sean to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. Welcome, Sean. How's it going? I'm Sean. I'm an alcoholic. Spiritual Experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God-consciousness, followed at once by vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of num- thou- oh my God. among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety, because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life. That such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God-consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. This is from Alcoholics Anonymous, page 567 and 568. Thanks, John. 
Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane or meeting mode or just turn them off. And we have Paulette on her eighth session tonight. It's always a pleasure to hear her experience, strength, and hope. So without further ado, welcome Paulette. Hello, fellow travelers. Hello. <laughs> All right, babe. I got to say my prayers first. Uh, this is a prayer that my sponsor, Dorothy Harris, um, gave me years ago before she passed on. And I've always used it um, ever since I have been um, asked to do service, especially when I'm doing step studies tends to bring the God of my understanding into um, whatever message is coming out of me. And so, and it also reminds me of her and her God. Um, if you're not uh, on board yet with the concept of God as I understand God, I ask for you to please keep an open mind. Do not be discouraged at all. Um, something that will be shaken out of me tonight may just be enough to move you off the fence. Um, you just never know how this thing works. But this is my experience, strength, and hope with the set-aside prayer given to me as a gift by my previous sponsor, Dorothy H. It's called a set-aside prayer. Dear God, Please set aside everything I think I know about myself. This book, my disease, these steps, and especially everything I think I know about you, God. So that I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please help me to see the truth. Thank you for your indulgence. Um, tonight we are on step eight. My, my time flies while we're having fun. Uh, I'm going to put this down here. Okay. I am going to introduce myself to you the way I was taught to introduce myself to you whenever I am... Speaking at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Um, and it goes like this. I am an alcoholic. I have a home group. And my home group is the one day at a time group of Alcoholics Anonymous located in Miramar. My own home group meets um, every Wednesday at 8 p.m. I am sponsored and I sponsor. To me, it's the difference between work and working. I do have a sober date, and my sober date is January 28, 1995, and my name is Paulette. Hello, fellow travelers. You know, um, step eight, we're on step eight, and um, I want to thank you guys for those of you who... Um, 
have just given me this love and the feedback and the sharing before the meeting and after the meeting because an alcoholic like me needs those things. I don't know about you. I'm not super sober. Um, I'm, I'm still one of the patients, you know, so I, 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 I just, every Thursday since I have been doing this service, I look forward to my Thursday and the most important part of it is the fellowshipping with you guys, even though the, the book and the work that I have to do prior to it is a lot more important because it brings me closer to the God of my understanding which leads me open so that I can bring you in. And, you know, and, but I have to say thank you guys. Thank you for loving me. The way you've given me all this love. I so appreciate it. It is not lost on me and it's well received. So um, what do I do when we're doing the steps? I got to read the step as it's written. The reason why I have to do it is because an alcoholic like me like to make stuff up. Which means that I will stick a word into the step that doesn't belong there. But I will tell myself it makes it better. Um, and it will motivate me to do it. If I had another word or two or a comma or a period. I'm that kind of alcoholic. I don't know about you but that's how I am. And I've learned how to read the steps as it's written and it is absolutely structured in the way I need to be structured and directed. Um, and so step eight says, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Notice the word all. It didn't say some. For me, I had to pick that out because I am one of those alcoholics like, like to cherry pick who I want to do this on. It doesn't say that. It says all. So I want to broaden that out because if, for me, it's important. I will be focusing on mom, sharing my experience, strength, and hope on step eight, mainly from our um, 12 and 12. I appreciate Bill's writing in it on, on eight a lot more. Than anything else. Um, it, it, it talks about a lot for me. And where I am. And so I'm going to read. As I, as I do before. The previous steps. I read in first person. Because this relates to me. And um, on page 77 of our 12 and 12. Bill talks about. Steps 8 and 9. Now I, as I said before. With um, six and seven, there are steps that are beside each other. Once you do one, you do the other right away. But in step study, I've learned to separate them so I have a better understanding of what each step is asking me to do. Because I don't know about you, I just don't do these steps and then get well. I have to live it and live it every day. And I just never know which part of which step is going to be appropriate or right on time for me. Like today. You know, today I, I was in step eight. And God just gave me the right opportunity to practice it. Everything I read, I was like, geez, God, you couldn't give me a break. But here it was. I had it. So for me, it is important to to go into the step individually when you are working it 
and then you can learn how to combine it and work it because it's a design for this alcoholic, a design for living. So he says steps eight and nine are concerned with personal relationship. Hello? I don't know about you, but I suck at relationships. I don't know about you. I still suck at relationships. Learning how to communicate, to let you know what I think about you without putting you down. Because I am in fear or my pride or something. There's some defect going on. I don't know how to communicate what I'm thinking to you. I, am, I was never a good communicator unless I was drinking. And when I was drinking, you heard everything and then some. I had no problem telling you about you. Um, this is about personal relationship. Now, the first part of the steps for me was introducing me to the God of my understanding. At this juncture, I have now developed a relationship with the God of my understanding. And each time I continue, that relationship expand and grow. It's a foundation is being built. The, the other middle part of the step for me, four, five, six, and seven, has a lot to do with finding out who I am. I had to dive in deep to locate all of what Paulette had become in the process of killing myself. Because it was a slow death. And thank God that God, as I understand, God chose fit to bless me with grace. That I can stand here and say I didn't die. But I died emotionally and spiritually. And so four, five, and six, and seven allowed me to take a look at me continuously. Now eight and subsequently nine is about you. My relationship with you. Now I got to look at harms done to you. I don't know about you that didn't send me in running up and down the aisle jumping for joy. Because I did not want to look at the harms that I did to the people that I discovered in my fourth step. And I talked about in details in my fifth to see exactly what harms I did. As you all know, I'm a mother of a son that I had harmed terribly. Emotionally, I was not an, a human being that gave love freely. It was for sale. I withhold my emotions, my affections. If you do what I tell you to do, then I will reward you. And depending on how well you did what I want you to do, you would be rewarded quite well or not so. And I will let you know why you're losing points. Uh, I am that kind of transactional alcoholic. I learned that about me when I did my fourth step. And I'm telling you this because this is me. This is about me as it relates to what this is talking about. So now I'm t I have to look at the harms done. Bill says, first I take a look backwards. 
and try to discover where I have been at fault. Next, I make a vigorous attempt to repair the damage I have done. Amends, which is repair the damage I have done. That's what amends is. He says, and, and third, having thus clean away the debris of the past, I consider how with my newfound knowledge about me, I know who I am now and what I've done. What am I going to do with it? He says, I need to take that information because I may want to develop the best possible relations with every human being. I don't know about you, but when I saw the word every, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. First of all, I don't like most of you. The people I had on my list, I didn't like some of them, to be honest. Didn't give me a right to do things I did to them. But he says, this is where I got to. And I circled the word every. I don't pick and choose anymore with this task. He said, this is a very large order. Don't fool yourself, Paulette. This is really a large order. It is a task which I can perform with increasing skill, which means it's a skill. I'm going to have to learn it, which means I must be open-minded. I must be teachable. Where have I learned that? Which means I had to pick up those skills with the prior steps. That means here again, you can't work the steps like they are a smorgasbord. It's not cafeteria style. Because each step builds on each the previous steps. So if I didn't pick up that open-mindedness, if I didn't pick up what humility practicing it, if I didn't pick up um, integrity, some, some form of it, some degrees, because as I keep doing this, I'm earning degrees as I get experiences. Honesty. I don't know about you. I used to tell lie just for the hell of it. And I asked myself, why did you do that? Didn't make sense. These are things that I'm learning how to apply these spiritual principles as a skill. Using them as a skill. Because I want to build a relationship with you. All the people on my list. I know about you, but I came into Alcoholics Anonymous and then I felt like I was... I look good, sound good, and I felt super sober. And then all of a sudden, all of you stinks. Starting to get too complacent. And I had to double down again. Because it, I was not living this way alive. It is to be lived, Paulette. And so he says here, it is an increasing skill that I never really finish for the rest of my life learning how to live in the greatest peace partnership and brotherhood with all men and women 
of whatever description is a moving and fascinating adventure. He calls this an adventure. It's a wild ride. Just when I think about the relationships I've had in Alcoholics Anonymous when I got sober, it's fascinating, but I think about the one that I have in my personal life. I think about the ones that I have in my professional life. It's a wild one. And here I am. And so he says, what I need to do, I have to go back. And I have to make an accurate and unsparing survey. Remember, there's no such thing as a mental survey. It must be written down. Because an alcoholic like me, if I don't write it down, I'm going to lie. I'm going to have amnesia. I'm going to forget some of the things. And I'm going to work it out and then I'm going to rationalize in my alcoholic thinking that that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And so part of A tells me I've got to go back. Where do I go back? In my fourth step. Where I've had all of the damage of the people, institutions um, that I have harmed in my wake. The destructive wake of an alcoholic like me. I was not a nice person. I trampled on people. I was so self-centered that everything revolved around me. I cheated people out of their affection. I was one of those alcoholics who you gave your trust to without asking any question and I trampled on it. That's something that I take, I really, really took me back when I look at it. Eight step for me allows me to walk in the person's shoe. If I'm not feeling that pain that I cause you, something is wrong. And I give you an example. My son. My son is 39 years old. And he, in his first 10 years, was affected by my active alcoholism. Now I'm going to tell you how. When I left my home, or our home, I didn't go for five hours or five minutes. I told them I'll be right back. My right back was four days. Never a phone call. Never once did I stop in the midst of those four days to think that my son, even though he had his father, would think. Not once did I stop to say, maybe that child would be, could be concerned about his mom. Maybe that child would be wondering if his mom is dead. Maybe this child may be sitting and looking through the window to see whether his mom is going to turn up. Not once did I ever give a second or a first thought to that child, 10 years old. And I would do this repeatedly. I would come home and feel remorse. 
and I would take to my bed and then I would make it about me. I would be a great um, defense. It's a good offense because you are the reasons why I have to leave here after a while. You all get on my nerves. And never once did I ever think about it. When I started to do this, the way it was laid out with guides, guides from wonderful sponsor who was not about to save my face. I looked at my son on the list. And I started to recognize the harm I did to him. How I invoked, evoked fear in that child. A child who was safe and secure has now been introduced to fear by my selfish act. Don't care about what happened to him. He'll get over it. I also had a vision, a visual of my son looking at me with those eyes that when I walked through the door after being missing for four days, a sense of relief. And I never once thought to say to him or give him a hug because I was incapable of doing that. That's the kind of harm I'm talking about. Just an example. Never mind his father. His father better not ask me where I've been. Dear not because I will turn back and go through the door. And then I show him. He'll be the one who's sorry that he said something to me. Who does that? An alcoholic like me. So I'm talking about this in the way this talks to me. And so Bill says that I need to go back and look at things like that. In my fourth step. And then he says, and I have to be, it's got to be unsparing survey. I've got to cut it down to the, bo- to the bone of the harms I've done. Because see, I, I got sober and then I had things like, these little pesky little things like guilt, shame, remorse, depression. Where the heck did these things come from? Because I'm starting to see from these surveys the things that I have done to not only to me, but to you. And I, they are now objectionable to me. I, have, I am developing a conscience. It bothers me that I should be treating you that way. Now your feelings and how I treat you start to bother me. And there was, and that's part of how I look at eight. I am starting to see how you feel by my hand. This is the harm I've done. And so he says, he says what is happening is that I am doing eight. It's reopening emotional wounds. Who wants to do that? Let, it, let, let bygones be bygones. I want you to remember me in this nice, sober way. I don't want my son to remember me coming home after four days looking so like a death warmed over. I want him to remember his sober mother that Alcoholics Anonymous have saved. Why should I go back and look at that? Open it up. 
it will cause it festering wounds. It means it's still sick underneath there. There's some things going on. You got to lift it up, open it up. There's a lot of pus in there, Paul Ed. That's how ugly it is. And that's what he's talking about. And so he says, it's a great advantage if you do it. It's pain. But it's going to give you advantages when you do it because it will reveal these advantages will be revealed to you quickly. But he says there are some, some um, obstacles. Now, uh, before I get to the, the first one that I'm still working on for the rest of my life, um, he talks about some of the characteristics of what these things that I am talking about have done to my personality. He called it has colored my personality. And, and 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 what he's talking about, he says, you know, here on um he talk he says I have become irritable, callous, cold, critical, judgmental, impatient. Don't have and don't possess a sense of humor. That's why I like when you guys do the, um, the, um, the, the, the comedy before. Because a lot of us came in here like myself and we did not know how to laugh. He says, these are the harms that I have done to my personality. That have allowed my personality to be colored and altered. By these kind of characteristics that I have taken on in order or in my inadequacy to have a personal relationship with you. This is what I've done. And then he says, so, it, and it's always caused me discomfort to say the least. And I say discomfort, in, um, um, but it has caused me a lot of problems. Why can't I get along with people? These things are always in the way. Eight-step talks about my instincts on collision. What are my instincts? My natural God-given desires that I have used and that are far exceed their proportion. And they are colliding with you. How dare you interfere in my space and ask me for something that I don't even think you should have been asking me. Like, have some respect for me. Care enough about me to give me an idea that you will be back when you say you're going to be back. Have some, um, care enough to say that maybe I should pick up the phone and call you because you... You might be worried about me. You know, have some kind of thinking like that. No, not me. I wasn't there. So he says, I have, with my instincts on collision, I have caused physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual damage to you. And I'm here to tell you I'm guilty of all four. I'm still working on some of them because it's a lifetime. I have to remember 
that my son and his relationship with women, I have a hand in it. I don't take responsibility for his choices anymore, but I have a hand in it. For the rest of my life, I will look at it from that angle. Because what woman was the first woman that he saw? He modeled that off. My selfishness, my self-centeredness, my disregard for other people, for always taking other people for granted. This is his first, first introduction to what a woman looks like and should behave. And so in this defective relationship that I found out on my fourth step, I'm telling you, this has colored my personality and prevented me from having decent, honest, healthy relationship. So Bill says there are some obstacles to it. But before I go to the obstacle, I want you to look at the word willing. You know how I like to pick out certain words in the step that moves my spirit. Willing in this step moves me to another level. I'm talking about not an ordinary kind of willing. I'm talking about a willing on the state of a state of a higher consciousness. I'm talking about willing in a spiritual way. If you have not found that kind of willingness, keep on coming. Keep on working. It's worth the work. I'm talking about willing that it is a it's either all or nothing. That kind of willingness. As a matter of fact, it is that willingness I'm talking about, that Bill is talking about to me in step eight, that he says it is the kind of will willingness that has, by the way, it's not a feeling. It's not a feeling for me. Willing. The willingness he's talking about, that willingness that started all the way back from I started and put surrendered. That has continuously grown up to eight. It has now taken, a, it's grown in degrees. It is the willingness that is deliberate, intentional. It is not open for negotiation. It's all or nothing. That state of consciousness I'm talking about. You can't do it. No human aid. You need a power greater than yourself to get to that kind of willingness. That's the kind of willingness that's in step eight. When I get to that point and look at the harms I've done to the example I just gave you, I need help. I need real help. And so when he says that I need to make sure that I have to look at me and realize that for my own emotional security and peace of mind, I need to realize that I have to become willing to repair the damage I have done. See the harms, walk in another man's shoe. The justice, that form of justice. It is about, I see what I have done, dear God. So then he says, one of the 
obstacle that comes to me when I see that kind of harm is forgiveness. That's an obstacle for me. It became an obstacle for me when I saw that. What I saw with my son, because he was the first one on my list. And I saw that, how, how, what I have done to him. It became very hard for me to, to, re- to forgive myself. But where did I find out about forgiveness? Step five. Step five talks about forgiveness. Step five says, in, 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 the, in the 12 and 12, he says, this vital step on page 57 was also the means by which I would begin to get the feeling that I could be forgiven. Step five. Another reason why we don't take the steps in cafeteria style. Because that's how far back I have gotten a glimpse that I could possibly be forgiven. I could forgive myself through the God of my understanding help by owning up to what I just described to you. Because the son I have today looks out for me after what I just described. Calls me and when I don't answer him fast enough, he calls me back and says, mother, pick up the phone, direct order. That's a child that I have treated poorly. This thing works. I know it does. And so one of the things he says that, that I also must be able to work on with, by the way, this forgiveness of myself comes in degrees and it comes through degrees in situation involving damaged relationships. For example, today I'm at work. I work for a living. Um, and one of the things that happens to me is, and I show you these things out of my own relationships because I believe the steps are written to be taken off the pages and off the shades. I believe you have to live them. And God, as I understand, God has given me the information through you guys and the constant repetition that I experience these things. And I know it when I see it because I'm self-aware. And there is an awareness of where I am. I am present. And today I went to work. And I was been feeling poorly emotionally because today I got in the mail a certificate of thanks from the eye bank because I donated Ed's eyes. And they had given the eyes to two other women. There's two women walking around on planet Earth with Ed's eyes. And I got the notification of the certificate two days ago. So I have been walking around feeling that. So emotionally, I wasn't balanced. And I went to work today, and a relationship that I knew needed to be repaired a long time ago, but I kept pushing it off. This is another thing about eight, when, you, they, when, he, when, he, when, he, when he says, become willing. Because if I was not willing to fix that relationship back then, and of all the time, for it to rear its ugly head was today. And that woman talked and did some things that I did not appreciate. 
And because I've been into eight, I realized that I could not respond the way I would like to respond. Needless to say, my alcoholism took off in my head. And I had some choice plans and designs. Because an alcoholic like me have not been cured. My disease grow as long as I stay sober. So I know it's there. But instead of picking up the alcoholic thinking, I pick up the, the, the spiritual tools. And I realize that. So I'm sitting at my desk and I'm reading what Bill is saying that I need to do. I need to forgive myself first. So I have to work on that. Because if I'm going to make the list now, she, I have to pray for her. But I already know what nine says because I've been living this. But eight is saying this is what happens when you don't open up those wounds. Relationship that should have been taken care of back then are now not taken care of. They come back. What you going to do? How you going to respond? Of course I wanted to feel sorry for myself. Of course I want to be the victim. But didn't I step on her toe years ago? Yeah, I did. Because I remembered. It's another thing about being present. I remember. I'm hoping you, didn't, you don't remember. Because Bill says, fear conspires with pride. How does that happen? I'm fearful that you may remember. And my pride said, I don't want you to see me in that light. I want to be an outstanding citizen. See, I want to get something for nothing. This way of life tells me I've got to work for it. Got to earn it. And what little I do, I get blessed with a lot. And eight steps says, start looking at your relationship now. Don't put them off later on. Because you just might have an experience that I have. And I'm not unique. Because I could have taken care of it years ago. Now I have to. Because I don't want it. It's going to expand and, carry, and get out of control. And so he says, I need to have this kind of willingness that is going to help me in my personal relationships. The benefit is that I'm going to learn how to live in the greatest peace and partnership with you, right? And he's going to, he says, the willingness should be prompt. I wasn't prompting that one. <laughs> Delay is deadly, he says. He says I should be able to act. Become willing. It's a, a, a willingness. It's an action. That willingness to make these lists. This list I have to make. Be willing to act right away. He says I should be eager. Really? I should be eager? No, Bill. Come on. That's a tall order. He says it's also... A choice. It's a choice. I chose not to address it back then. I chose that. It's a choice. 
So when I look at my list today, and I think about all of the things that have gone good for me, I realize how blessed I am. And it also allows me to understand that when I do look at my eight-step column and I said, who did I hurt? I, can, I don't have to think too hard. Who did I hurt? And my second column says, what did I do to them? I don't have to think twice. And in case you forget which part of self was I trying to satisfy. My security somehow got involved in this. And then he says, and then I have to look at my part. What, what is the exact nature of my wrong? Was I selfish? Was I inconsiderate? Was I in fear? Frightened? Was I dishonest? That was the part of it that drove me to harm you the way I did. And he's talking about these things because to me, it is life itself. That's the way I want to live today. So if I want to live the way he's saying, I better get busy. So here it is. He says, if I confuse willingness as a feeling, I'm only thinking of willingness as being tolerant. I was being tolerant of my colleague all these years. This is what he's telling me. And so, what I have to do is I got to, after carefully surveying this whole area of human relations and having decided exactly what my personality traits that have injured you, I need to look at that. Me and American Express, I don't know about you, I thought that I had a right to charge any damn thing I wanted to charge and not pay the bill. When the bill came, it went into the trash. And then I got sober. God bless me with sobriety and American Express says, oh yeah? We got to talk. They had to go on my list. And the man that I've been with me for 41 years that I absolutely took for granted all these years until I got sober and started to take a look at what I did to him. No regards for how he loved me. Took it for granted. Disregard his feelings. Took it for granted. He was very, I, my thing was, you ought to be grateful I'm with you. That's my thinking back then. H says I got to look at that. Because out of that thinking came my actions towards him. I can't live like that sober. That is not sober for me. That is being dry. Strike a match and I blow up. And so I understand what Bill is saying. What I'm telling you is not for babies. It's for people who want to grow up. You know, and so this is what I have to tell you today. That I am grateful. That my emotions, which have had violent twists and turns. And my personality, which have been colored. 
have helped me to understand that I have to start looking at forgiveness. It's the biggest thing for me out of eight. Especially if I want to get rid of guilt, remorse, shame. I have to start that. It's a long journey. It is by no means easy. And so I have had it to go to workshop. And I'm going to end with this. I have to look for my phone because it's on my phone. I have to. This is something that Dorothy Harris gave me again. If you don't have a sponsor like I have a sponsor, try to get one. Be jealous about my sponsorship. That motivates you. I've been blessed with great sponsors. I don't know why, but they've just been blessed. But I want to tell you this. I want to share this with you. And then I'm done. I think I am. See what, see what God says. Humility. This is from the plaque on Dr. Bob's desk. And it goes like this, my dear fellow travelers. Perpetual quietness of heart is to have no trouble. Is never to be fretted or vexed. Irritable or sore. To wonder at nothing that is done to me. To feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me. When I'm blamed or despised. It's to have a blessed home in myself. Where I can go in and shut the door. And kneel to my father in secret. And be at peace as in a deep sea of calmness when all around and about is seemingly trouble. That has been on Dr. Bob's desk. And I love it because it is exactly what I'm aiming for. Thank you. One more time for Paulette. And we have David coming up for the secretary's report. Hi, my name is David, and I am your recovered alcoholic secretary. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, uh, the baskets are now going around. Uh, we also have QR codes on the back of uh, some of the chairs that you can scan to uh, contribute through, is it Cash App? Venmo. Venmo, thank you. Um, and I have asked Andrew to come up and read the recovered statement. Hey family, good evening. My name is Andrew and I'm an alcoholic. Hi Andrew. And this is Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic-centered 
centers in his mind rather than his body, page 23. We're now staying where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thanks, Andrew. 1940-style big book sponsorship from the forward to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the, rem the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% plus success rate. Is there anybody in the room who needs a sponsor? Okay, if you're too shy to raise your hand, um, you can come up uh, at the end of the meeting and stand by the piano and somebody will come up and speak to you. Uh, can I have a show of hands of recovered alcoholics? Okay, uh, Broward County... Mm -hmm. Broward County Intergroup uh, is where you can buy AA literature and medallions. Intergroup is also responsible for creating our where and when and scheduling the AA hotline. Stop by and visit them. Next slide. Okay. Uh, Broward County Institutions Committee is responsible for br bringing meetings into places where people like us uh, can't get out to an AA meeting, such as jails, detoxes, and rehabs. They meet monthly, the second Saturday of every month at 10 a.m. Is there um, anybody here from BCIC? Okay, uh, you can speak to Brian at the end of the meeting. Thanks. Uh, volunteers, uh, volunteer opportunities, the 2023 Intergroup Appreciation Banquet will be having their next planning meeting Wednesday, February 22nd at 6 p.m. Uh, we should have uh, flyers at the back for that. Um, and our next speaker, uh, we have three more weeks with Pauline, uh, Paulette, sorry. I know your name. Um, uh, but uh, starting on the 30th, we have Bobby R. And um, most importantly, this Monday, every week I say, uh, come and join us for our Big Book study group on Monday. It's where the Big Book comes alive. Well, this Monday, it's being born, uh, which means that we're starting from the beginning. So this would be a really good time uh, to join us. Okay? Um, we have CDs, mugs, large print books, and little red books, uh, big book dictionaries for sale at the back on the literature table. Uh, we meet here every Thursday, starting promptly at 7.15 p.m., and ask that you be courteous and uh, ready to begin at the sound of the bells. See you next week. Thanks. We have tonight's session and all past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite you again to the Monday Night Big Book Study. And those whom wish to thank tonight's speaker, please line up down the center aisle. We can close seated with the Lord's Prayer. Who woke us up? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. See you guys next week.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go.
before I had to change everything to realize that today is the best day of my life Cause this broken song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.
Thank you very much.